Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so much science just proves the Bible? Good. How can the how Bible can say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? As a dad who likes to build stuff, uh, one of my favorite things is uh, to take an idea, a concept, and then you and you work it through in your head of, of how you would actually uh, create it. And, and then you, you sort of have this vision of, of what it might look like someday. And then you have to plan through all the steps and the material and how each piece will fit together and how you'll execute it. And then you pull it together. And uh, it's amazing to be able to build something and then watch my kids uh, play on it later. Uh, when we moved into our house, we, there was this rickety old death trap of a tree house in our backyard. Uh, and so I set about the process of, of removing all the old rotted wood and replacing it. And then we, we built this secondary lower platform. Uh, we rebuilt uh, some ladders and put those up. And we bought a used slide, attached it, and, and put on some, some rope swings uh, and built this, this real really cool play structure in the backyard. And, and so it's great now to sit back and watch our kids, and especially when other kids come over and they play together on this. It, it's become their headquarters, their HQ in the backyard. And I get to sit and just sort of smirk uh, that this vision that I had a number of years ago is, 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 is a reality. Uh, now, uh, I don't get a whole lot of credit or, or thanks uh, for the work and the time and, and the effort and the skills. Uh, any of those things, um, they just play on it. And I get to sit back and, and see my vision come to fruition. Um, today, we encounter the book of Esther. And the book of Esther famously actually doesn't mention God at all. Uh, it, it's a book in the Bible that doesn't mention God, but yet we see his hand, his sovereign hand, uh, sort of in all of the circumstances as we, as we sort of work our way through it. God is present in the midst of all of it, all of it even though he's not acknowledged. Uh, so Esther, uh, Esther begins in, in the year about 480 BC. So uh, the people are in exile. Uh, they were, Jerusalem was destroyed, the people were carried away, and they're carried into Babylon, modern-day Iraq. Now, the Babylonian Empire is eventually uh, replaced, overrun, by the Persian Empire. So we've got the Persians. Um, and uh, King Ahasuerus in 480 BC uh, was throwing this big drunken party and invited his wife or called his wife to come in and entertain them. Uh, his wife refused, and so Ahasuerus was... Uh, he was hurt, he was felt betrayed, and so he decided uh, an opportunity anyway, an excuse perhaps, uh, to have basically a beauty pageant. Have a beauty pageant and get yet another wife. He had a large harem to begin with. It wasn't a big thing for him to get a new wife. It was just sort of an excuse for him to do so. Um, and sure enough, the winner of this beauty pastor, uh, pageant was Esther. Esther was uh, an Israelite, a Jew, even though she, she didn't talk about it, she hid it. Uh, and so she became one of the queens uh, of the king. Now, uh, Esther was raised by her uncle, Mordecai, and Mordecai was, 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 you know, his heart really went out to her and he felt broken about losing her. And, uh, and so he actually set up and would basically live on the outside of the gates of, of the palace. And, and so Mordecai, her uncle, sort of set up shop and he sort of lived there while Esther was in uh, the palace of the king. And uh, one day, Mordecai overhears this plot to overthrow the king, and, and Mordecai reveals it to Esther, and Esther sort of tells the officials, and, and the, the plot is, is uh, sort of countered. Um, over time, uh, the, this man named Haman, another character of the story, uh, Haman becomes sort of number two in power. Now, Haman is an Amalekite, uh, and there's, there's a long history between the Israelites and the Amalekites. In fact, uh, the Amalekites were the first people to attack Israel as they're wandering through the desert. Uh, God commands the Israelites to wipe out the Amalekites, specifically Saul. Uh, Saul fails in that task to wipe out King Agag of the Amalekites. And so the Amalekites remained to be sort of a thorn in Israel's side for years. 
And here we have setting up this, this continued uh, conflict between the Amalekites in Haman and Mordecai and the Israelites. And so uh, Haman comes out and everyone's bowing down to him because he's number two in the land, but Mordecai refuses, uh, perhaps because he knows uh, he's an Amalekite and, and Haman or Mordecai doesn't bow down. And so Haman is infuriated and he decides he's going to finish the work of his ancestors and he's enraged and he decides that he's going to come up with this plot to wipe out all of the Jews, all of the Israelites. He's going to finish what his ancestors started. Uh, and so one day he goes to the king. Uh, he's got the king's ear and, and he sort of says, hey king, I've got this, this idea where I can wipe out this people group that eh, they don't really matter and I'll take all of the plunder and the wealth and I'll put it in your treasury. I think the king is, is distracted by his harem uh, and his parties and he doesn't really pay attention to what Haman is suggesting and sort of says, yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead, do it. Uh, and so sure enough, Haman brings in this decree to wipe out all of Israel. Uh, Mordecai hears of this plan and he approaches Esther and says, you need to do something that God has placed you in this position to save your people. And so here we see uh, the text in Esther chapter 4. Uh, so this is Mordecai talking to Esther. Uh, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. So he's trusting God. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days or nights. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther hasn't been in to visit the king in a long time. And actually it was illegal. It was impossible for her to go in and visit the king without being invited. And, and she could actually be executed for approaching the king without an invitation. Um, but uh, sort of her faith sort of rises up and she goes in faith to the king and uh, she knocks on the door and opens it and enters and the king uh, is glad to see her. So the king spares her um, and offers, says, hey, wh what can I do for you? And, and Esther says, come to a feast that I'm throwing. And so Esther creates this, this big feast and, and also invites Haman. Haman feels very honored. He's about to go to this feast with the king and everything in his life is, is really just turning up amazing for him. He's number two in the land. He's about to wipe out his sort of ancestral enemies. Uh, and now he's invited to this, this banquet as an honor. And so he's so excited. He builds uh, this giant set of gallows in his backyard. And, and his plan is to personally hang Mordecai on his backyard gallows. Everything is turning up aces for Haman. Um, and so they go to this banquet and the king is so appreciative and, and, and is so smitten by Esther and her, her manners and, and, and her cooking and all these things. He, he says he wants to offer Esther a gift. Give me, I'll give you anything up to half of my kingdom. And Esther's response uh, in, in the book is to say, my desire is that you spare my life and the life of my people for someone is trying to murder them. Uh, and the king is enraged. You know, this is his bride. She's a queen who is trying to murder his wife, who is trying to murder the family of his wife. And sure enough, then Esther looks across the room and the only other person in the room between uh, from her and the king is, is sure enough is Haman. And she points to Haman and says, it's Haman. Uh, and the king is enraged and, and some other sort of ironic set of events continue to happen where the king eventually uh, has Haman uh, killed and Haman is actually hung on the gallows in his backyard, hung on his own gallows that were were set up for Mordecai. And Mordecai and Esther are are, are are heroes in the story, and Haman is the one who is killed. And so there's irony all the way through. Um, but again, 
the name of God is never actually mentioned. God is at the center of the entire story, though he, his name doesn't show up at all. But, but God's providence is on display through the entire book, in the lives of each character. And even though Esther herself is, is kind of nominal in her faith at best, uh, she doesn't openly talk about her faith, she doesn't declare to anyone that she's a Jew, um, he uses her, uh, God uses her in this plan of saving his people. And the festival that's come about to celebrate this event is called Purim. And, and Purim is still celebrated today. Um, but it, it's even interesting and ironic that, that even in the festival of Purim, um, it is not God who is celebrated, God who is honored for rescuing his people. It's just a celebration of victory uh, over Haman and, 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 sort of, and the plot. Uh, and we see, I think, in God's character that God is in control of the events of history. He uses people, he uses circumstances. Sometimes it seems like uh, circumstances that, that look impossible. Um, but we see the hand of God and his providence at work in the midst of all of it. And he's okay uh, if it's not overtly obvious. Uh, sort of like watching your kids on a playground even though you don't get, uh, you don't get any credit for it. Um, God is okay with, those, with that and he's continuing to push forward his plan. God is provident in his sovereignty. Um, he also, in, in what does this tell us about God's plans? What does the book of Esther tell us about it? Um, is that God may actually put us in seasons of difficulty for a reason. Um, that God may orchestrate events in our life and he's calling us to, to step up, uh, perhaps for specific reason, you know, for such a time as this in our lives. Maybe God has brought you to this difficult place for a reason and he's, he's giving you an opportunity um, to step up and do something for the kingdom. And finally, there have been countless times in history when everything seems to be spiraling out of control. Um, yet the kingdom of God we see not only continue, but continues to thrive. And uh, that's if you look globally, at the church globally, there are amazing things happening around the world. In spite of, of tragedies, in spite of, of horrendous events, God continues to be in control uh, of the situations of history, even though we don't understand it always or often. Um, we can rest secure and we can take peace knowing that God is in control even when it seems like things are spiraling out. Um, today, hopefully, that's an encouragement for us as uh, COVID uh, continues to be this global issue. We have global warming. Um, all of these issues are, are, are bubbling up and we can live in a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, but Esther continues to show us that even uh, when things seem like they're spiraling out of control and desperate, God is in control. Uh, God knows what he's doing. We can trust him and simply look for the opportunities that we have today um, to be faithful to the opportunities that he's given us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you are sovereign, uh, that you're powerful, that you're good, um, that, that history and events are not spiraling out of, of your reach, um, but that you use all things together for good, for the ultimate good, and we trust you with the ends as well as the means. Give us the courage um, to do what it is you're calling us to do in, in each season of our lives. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, hope you have a great day. We'll see you again soon.